I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody pain. We will strive for the denazification of the Let me put it to you. Just a Yes, if you win by one, you've won. The phone went over the side. It is time to draw in I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? What an immense relief that all those people were arrested at the coronation before they did anything that none of them were planning to do. One Conservative MP explained they had to be arrested because what if one of them had glued themselves to the King's couch? And this is an excellent point because if one of them had vaulted over 400 barriers and broken through 30 lines of police by displaying a series of kung fu moves and then dodged some of the world's most efficient security and snipers by making themselves invisible and turning themselves into a blackbird and hovering over the coach until it was due to set off and then reforming as a protester and gluing themselves to the coach, it could have given the new king and queen a nasty shock. It's a crucial advance in the battle against crime to abandon the soft old strategy of arresting people because they've broken the law to arresting people so they won't ever be able to break the law in the future. We'll discover that Dame Judy Dench was arrested on the morning of the coronation because what if she had used the inside knowledge she learned while playing M in the James Bond films to spoil the ceremony by gluing herself to Anton Deck? And David Attenborough was kept in custody for 18 hours in case he used his knowledge of Lima monkeys to climb up the shard and shout anti-monarchist slogans through a megaphone, spoiling everybody's day. We'll be told that Ivy Simpson of South End was arrested because she bought a packet of drawing pins in February. She claimed she'd bought them for a game of pin the tail on the donkey at her eight-year-old son's birthday party. But the chief of the Met explained, what if she had used these pins to pin herself to the door of Westminster Abbey or to Emmanuel Macron? Then we'd have been criticised for not taking action sooner. We can't win. This is why, to be truly safe, the only way to ensure public order is maintained is for everybody to be arrested every day. In particular, if there's a royal ceremony, the royal family should definitely be kept in a maximum security wing of Broadmoor, as they have the best access to the royal coach, so could cause absolute havoc with some glue. And even though none of the protesters were charged, the arrests ensured the day went off perfectly, and it was marvellous to see how the monarchy has modernised to make feudalism and the aristocracy still relevant for the 21st century. Nothing speaks to the future as much as a golden stagecoach. And the luckiest person at the whole service was Penny Mordant, as she should have been arrested for carrying an offensive weapon. It was the ceremonial sword she'd have objected, but the Med would say, of course it is, madam. And now, if you'd just like to put it down, we can take a full statement of the station. On this podcast, we always like to be positive about the tremendous things that are happening in this great country of ours, in particular, the benefits of Brexit. And so we're delighted to be able to share an extract from the diary of the most patriotic British person ever born. Nigel Boulevard. 
This week, I was delighted to watch The Coronation on my television. And what a proud moment it was that once again, we have a royal family. After all those years when the European Union had prevented us from having a king or a queen. Instead, we had to suffer the indignity of foreign kings and queens washing up here from Romania or from Poland on dinghies and taking our king and queen's jobs. They'd arrive in their thousands, go straight to the job centre, and when asked what job they wanted to do, they'd say, king. And because we were in the European Union, there was nothing that we could do about it. So they were taken straight to Buckingham Palace to go hunting and paying off women that they'd allegedly manhandled, paid for by the taxpayer. And for the 45 years that we were chained against our will in the dungeon of the European Union, our own royal family was forced to live in a wheelbarrow in Brussels, while unelected bureaucrats tickled their feet with millions of unnecessary documents and red tape. Thank God we've got our royal family back. As my wife said to them when she met them, Guten Tag, willkommen in England. Gott sei Dank sind wir die Deutschen los. Mine's a pint of Weasel Blaster. Cheers! When everybody honest, wise, or decent had all gone, there was nothing left to ask but what the fuck is going on. Now, no one who has ever tried to work out what the fuck is going on, particularly on a week when uh, a what the fuck is going on ceremony took place, which apparently dictates who we are as a country, and this is what we do best, people slithering about with magic swords and diamonds and fuck knows what, and then go, this is what we do best, this mental thing. Nobody can do that without expert advice from a country that looks upon us largely saying collectively, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> that country being Scotland, Mr. Mark Nelson representing representing Scotland, as if this is the Eurovision Song Contest yeah. and you have an independent uh, um, entrance. What f- Hello, Mark. Hello. What a class thing that would be if we got an independent entrance into the Eurovision. It'd be fucking amazing. Just a- Well, you would do, yeah. Why don't they make more of that, the SNP? <laughs> because I don't think anyone really gives a fuck about the Eurovision up here either, so it's not... <laughs> right. <laughs> Anything that England's in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give a fuck. Was it? Is it? Because I, I know I was listening to it on the radio this morning, and Ireland didn't get through. Because Ireland used to be like the the champions of Eurovision, but this is like the eighth year they've not gotten to the final. Oh, is that yeah. right? Yeah, because they used to win every year. Yeah, and then they and then you have to stage it the next year, yeah. so that you know that it costs a full yeah, recovery. Like Will it. you stop? Stop winning the fucking <laughs> contest, there. We're you're bankrupting the fucking whole of fucking North Ireland, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and, uh, that's why yeah so they were, they they just put in people having a shit and stuff and a child playing a xylophone and it'd still yeah, win that's why like I, I heard I heard someone talking about it going about how disappointed the Ukrainian people would be not to be hosting it and I was like I imagine they don't really give a shit to be honest like, I think they've got bigger fish to fry than that <laughs> that's hiding in, in a metro stop <laughs> In the suburbs of Kiev, <laughs> wondering whether or not the last bomb that you heard destroyed your family home. <laughs> but it is, uh, we all would have had contest, and it would have. Uh, 
wouldn't have even been there because they only won it because they're Ukraine. Yeah, no, so I know. that actually, they could have done everything, couldn't they? Yeah. They could have come out and sang "Ujimi Bujimi Bijimi Bijimi Flip," uh, and they'd have they'd have won it. Uh. In- <laughs> now, you are, I'm told, from Scotland. Yes. So, uh, how was Scotland with the coronation then? Um, in as much as you all you all speak with one voice and you are representative of them all. I think there was a bit... I mean, the majority of it was just, this is utter nonsense. I think there will be... It was weird. I was talking to this uh, with uh, my wife's cousin the other night, and she was saying that during normal life, you never really meet royalists. You know, it's like, it's not like one of those yeah. things like... Because everyone can meet like a... Everyone can meet people that are into various conspiracy theories, or you, <laughs> yeah. you'll meet you'll meet the odd racist and stuff, and you will know that. But nobody ever really meets someone that's well into the royals until something like this happens, and then suddenly these people crawl out of the woodwork, and suddenly they're, they're organising mm. street parties and all sorts of shit. Um, so there was some of that, but it's all, it's always the same. It's always the same kind of thing in Scotland. Like it's. It'll be the, as much in England as well, an older generation were well into it. And then smaller villages. Mm. Um, But the majority, like Glasgow where I live, well, I say that, Glasgow where I live was very much split half and half down the middle. So it's not really. (laughs) Yes, it does seem to be. So now what was it that the good people of Celtic football clubs sang? Stick your coronation up your arse. You know what's lovely about it is it scans, doesn't it? Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all in there. Yeah. You don't have to sort of add a syllable. You don't have to so often with football chants, you've got to muck about yeah, with it. Yeah, But you can stick your coronation up yeah. your arses. Yeah. It's probably, I don't know, iambic pentameter or something, yeah. isn't it? I don't know. But <laughs> I think it was Shakespeare, right? <laughs> I think it, is it not Gloucester in King Lear who says, ah, oh, oh, thine... Thine may be, thine may be mad, but thou tellest thee not thou can stick thy coronation up thine arm. Uh, it does; it scans beautifully. Yeah, that is wonderful. Um, but that uh, that made um, you can always tell when it's really crossed over because, like, that was on uh, Jeremy Vine was talking about it. And then right. uh, Pierce, Pierce Morgan had it in his show, which is what they, like, it's obviously, I love the fact that, that Pierce Morgan will complain about it and not think that that's now an absolute badge of honour for the people that sang that. Yeah, yeah. yeah like we've pissed off Pierce yeah. Morgan. Like, essentially, yeah, this, has gone, really this has gone better than we ever expected it to. So. <laughs> yes, it, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But it's, it, I'm sort of, because um, I, I do very sort of, French things, mm. like very French things and stuff. And I was there was a a little resume of the coronation. I was on a, a French thing because a, a lesson I'm doing. And uh, I thought, oh right, this is your view of it. And they're generally like when the Queen died, the French were they were worse than us. Oh really? Yeah, you know, they yeah yeah yeah. I was in for doing the uh, in town show, but in Paris uh, just the week after she carked it. In fact, no, about three days after, and she. Um, and I thought, oh, well, at least I'm out of here for the nonsense of all this. And then I turned on a French television and it was like, it was almost like they were going, we cannot believe that the English only have 24 hours a day of royal news when surely you should add an extra day for such an event. 
extra hours. <laughs> we we have changed our time so that we can get more hours yeah. of urologies for your queen. But this time, I noticed that they they had like about two thirds of this sort of ten minute pricey of the news. Yeah, was about how so many people in in Britain really weren't interested, particularly the young. Sadly, they didn't have uh, on per, I don't know what a stick-up would be, le coronation, le, cor, le, coron, le coronement uh, dans ton cul. I think it's because like, the, a lot of it will go now because the Queen was, was quite a well-loved person. Even amongst yeah. anti-royalists, I think they were kind of like going, do you know what, the Queen, she's all right. Whereas Charles just doesn't have that... He doesn't have that popularity. He doesn't have that panache. He doesn't have that charisma that to kind of carry them on. So, mm, and the fact no. that he'll probably be dead in a couple of years, so we'll have to do the whole fucking <laughs> thing again. So it's would it be brilliant if you Edwards had said that, right? <laughs> and there, and there he is, the new king Charles the Third in his coach with Camilla. How fine he looks, and of course what. All of us will be thinking as we're watching this is he'll probably be dead in a couple of years and so what, we'll all be back What a lovely again. dress rehearsal this is for William's coronation. And if, if Camilla is lucky enough to survive, as she probably would because she doesn't have the same uptight, tense manner that he has carried all his life, then she would be here thinking, thank fuck, I can enjoy it without his miserable whinging. And I, there was a, one of these um, lip-reading people yeah, I saw that, said yeah. that in, in, the, in the coach that he was going, this is boring now. Yeah. This is boring. You're, fuck, you're the fucking king being crowned at the coronation. And you, th- I mean, I am really, really not monarchist. But if I was being crowned king, yeah. whatever else, I wouldn't find it boring. No, oh, yeah, it's anything but boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I loved about that lip reader guy was, because uh, they've obviously, they, like, people were kind of speculating, because he because he had a face like thunder, he was obviously yeah. moaning about something, so they got lip readers in. But what I, would, I loved if, they, if, it, if he just wasn't mentioning it at all. If he was checking, like, his team for fantasy football that day, and he's just going... He's fucking dropped a broiner. What's just like Leicester? Well, as a championship, oh no, that's the Queen talks like that. How does Camilla talk? I don't know how she talks. I actually know. I don't know if I've ever heard Camilla talk. Actually, I wonder why that is. That might be like you know in. Um, uh, singing in the rain, yeah. Where it, where they get it's it's all about the the woman has got a squeaky voice, yeah. and so she has to get someone else to sing. But maybe that's a bit with, <laughs> with Camilla. One day she'll speak. Maybe she's Glasgow. Yeah. Charles, when you fucking stop fucking raining, by the way, <laughs> you're in a good fucking carriage. <laughs> Yes, but I mean, some of this is not the right shade of gold. I, <laughs> uh, now, also in Scotland, up until, well, for the last, what, I don't know, 10 years or so, the Scottish National Party has been on a on a march, maybe not towards independence, but to be, towards being 
well, it certainly has been the dominant, it's run the government, the Scottish Assembly, it's run all the Westminster MPs, bar a few have been SNP. Has that all has that all gone wrong now? Yeah, the wheels the wheels have fallen off, and it turns out those wheels belong to an eighty grand motorhome. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the most. I was I was talking about this on stage. It's the most Scottish. Like when you look at other the way other regimes, powerful regimes, end up falling. There's either like a military coup, or there's <laughs> some sex or financial scandal. And Scotland's been brought down by a fucking caravan. It's just the most. Uh, but yeah, they're they're they're. Yeah. And, and and I mean, I know Nicola Sturgeon will say that it was completely coincidental that she resigned a week before mm. her husband was arrested. But you kind of go, she, they, she must have known something was coming down the line. And I actually feel sorry for Hamza Yusuf because he has, he's inherited an absolute shit show of a party and he's got to run the country at the same time. And it's just, I, I, I honestly, he must look at his first, what has he been, four weeks, I think he's been in power now. And he must just go, there's not been a day where some scandal or some yeah. problem that he has to deal with hasn't happened. It should be on the phone to Liz Truss. <laughs> how, <do> you... <laughs> how, many, how many Liz? How many days did you do? Okay, I'm going to see if I can beat you by, by a couple of days. It's a, a yeah. It's I don't really understand it. Is it that the that it looks as if they siphoned some money out of the the. For, for this caravan, well, the camp It's been there. an ongoing investigation for a while because there's been, a, there's been a lot of campaign funds that were raised that haven't gone missing and have never been declared. And there's been this in, investigation as to where this... And the, 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 the thought is it's very much like a Father Ted, the money was just resting in my account kind of scenario. And because the SNP have... They're, they're kind of the masses of their own downfall because because they've operated under this do not question the party, lack, complete lack of transparency, everyone follows the party line, no one speaks out against anything, then natural suspicions have come about. And then now that the mainstays and the people that have been at the head of the party are starting to fall, it's all crumbling and various things are coming out. And it's it's these people that are left in the party that really weren't... <laughs> party to any of the information at all because it was so secretive are now having to deal with it. Um so yeah the whole thing the whole thing's an absolute mess and I think it's I think it has I think it's damaged their their independence cause right. beyond beyond reparation to be honest. So right yes because they're going if we yeah if we were independent now I suppose that's the either consciously or subconsciously people will be thinking that. If we were independent yeah. now with this, we would be being run entirely by these camper van people. Yeah, but that's, I mean, they're, they're essentially <laughs> giving their opponents the lines for them because they could basically go, look, if they can't even run their own finances, how could we possibly expect yeah, them to run yeah, the yeah. country's finances? Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Every time someone looks like they're vaguely all right. Yeah. And the thing is, the thing is, very much with Scotland as England as well, you're kind of going, oh, well, at least there's an opposition in waiting that's going to sort things out. And then you look across and go, Jesus Christ, they're just as shite as well. It's just a, it's a, it's such a, a tragic, despairing situation that is around the country. Oh, no, the sooner there's a military coup, the better. <laughs> I- <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm pro Putin now. I'm like that, just fucking. <laughs> 
Honestly, just end this. <laughs> just leave you here. What about that as a deal? Leave Ukraine alone and you can have it here. <laughs> The ultimate show of solidarity with Ukraine. <laughs> uh, right. It's, Mark, it's been absolutely brilliant yeah, talking to you, fun. as ever. Great laugh. And, uh, well, right, where can we see you in future times? Um, I'm, doing, uh, so I'm doing my first ever tour at the end of the year. Well, at the end of the year and into next year. So I've got three dates already announced in Dumfries, um, Aberdeen and Dundee. And then after... Christmas into February and March, I'll be going down south in England, Wales, and Ireland, and back up to Scotland again. So, yeah. Oh, right. so is there a website or anything like that? If that you go to, go, it's like one of those link tree things. It's just like you know, right. link tree slash Mark Nelson comic. They're all on there, but it'll all be on my like my Twitter and my Facebook and stuff like all that right. as well, Instagram and all that kind of stuff. Oh well, absolutely brilliant luck with that. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. Now we know what the fuck is going on in Scotland, at least. Yes, exactly, exactly. You're, you're fully up to date. I'll see you. I'll see you again in six months for that. <laughs> well, Putin will be running the place by then. We'll have to. We'll have, we'll have to have him. We'll have to have him doing this podcast. Uh, uh, no, people would, wouldn't they? Oh, All the people we know do podcasts. You do do readings for it. Yeah. Uh, 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 this podcast is brought to you by the Russian Navy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck, what the fuck is going on? As you know, we love to get all sorts of views on this podcast, and so it's my great pleasure to introduce once again the master of gently teasing out opinions, Mike Concrete. Right, with me next is uh, Willie Dunness. He's from the Scottish Fisheries Association and he wants to tell us all about Scottish salmon. Hello, Willie. Hi, mate. An honour to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, go on then. Why should we be eating your salmon? Oh, there's so much to be excited about, Mike. Uh, our salmon has uh, just actually been voted Quality Fish of the Year for the third year running, uh, and we're becoming more and more aware than ever of the health benefits of fresh fish. What's wrong with English salmon? Well, there's nothing wrong with English salmon, but obviously Scotland is well known for... How do we know it isn't poisonous? <laughs> well, I mean, there's very, very strict checks on all our produce. I've seen a river in Glasgow. It's filthy. Why would I eat anything that's been in there? Oh, mate, come on. Scotland's much bigger than Glasgow. We've got freshwater fish and all You're that. trying to kill us all, aren't you? <sighs> Why would I want to do that? We want you to buy our salmon, Mike. Exactly. You don't fish for anything English like sausages. You want us to buy your rebellious fish that doesn't even know how to swim the right way up a stream. Eh? Glasgow's full of bits of old shipyard. So, yeah, you can put that in your fish so we all drop dead, so you can get your independence. What are you talking about? It's just salmon. 
Is that why Nicola Sturgeon fiddled herself a camper van so she could drive all her rotten salmon down here and bump us off? Mike, it really sounds like you're a bit paranoid. Oh, I'm not paranoid. Did you kill the Queen with your dirty salmon? Are you... Are you accusing me of murdering the Queen? Yeah. And King Charles. King Charles isn't dead? Yes, he is. See ya, Willie. That's enough of that, idiot. No wonder you're not allowed to smoke in your own house anymore. Here's Andy McNabb with today's yoga tips for cats. What the fuck? Thank you so much to all those of you who are now supporting us on Patreon. It is because of you, selfless, angelic souls, that we can continue on our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. If you would like to join this wonderful, virtuous, radiant group of people for as little as £2 a month, just follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. Or to really be in the elite group of people, like the top pilots in the RAF, that sort of thing, uh, in the world of what the fuck is going on. For just £4 a month, you will get a longer ad-free version of the episode with extended interviews, bonus sketches. This week, there's a woman I heard on a phone-in show talking about the Eurovision Song Contest. And you will get discounts on live shows, which we will be doing more of later in the year. Also, uh, you'll get the episode on Friday nights. Unlike everybody else who has to wait until Saturday mornings, I just... Ringing shrinks to just medication. Uh, so go to www.patreon.com to save yourself all of that hassle and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community. Podcastees, we have arrived at the point of the week in which the, the nation stops, much as it may have done in 1940 to listen to Winston Churchill. It is the time for the announcements. And even when nothing much has happened, it is absolutely imperative that we have announcements because nothing is more British than that. And now we have taken back control. We can have announcements wherever we like, on trains, on buses. Soon on every form of transport, uh, there will be, an even on um, unicycles, there will be an announcement that there is, um, that, that if anybody leaves something that may look unusual on your unicycle such as a back wheel then please contact the unicycle police immediately who will come down and destroy the unicycle in a controlled explosion see it say it sorted uh, but my announcements are even more dramatic than that which is that i'm doing some live shows around the country on a tour that seems to go on and on and on and on uh, but not if you're in one of the places where I haven't been yet. It's been brilliant fun so far. <clears throat> I never like that when people say, loads of comics do that on Twitter. Oh, I'm having such fun at the moment. The show's going great. And I was thinking, well, I think we'll be the fucking judge of that. You can't go around saying you're great. Um, anyway, I've been great. So I'm coming to uh, Croydon. All by the time this goes out, there might be just a few tickets left on the uh, Fairfield Halls on the 26th of May or one of those days. And the marvellous thing about the Fairfield Halls in Croydon is if you go down there and get the wrong day, you'll still be able to wander around the centre of Croydon. You can look at Luna House, the immigration building, 
and you can go into um you can go down to the Whitgift School uh, where the private school has a, its own zoo. There's so many things to do. You look at a tram. Then uh, I'm going to be with the other ones with tickets. Uh, oh, Brighton, June the 3rd. And then, oh, and Hackney Empire, June the 8th. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah, loads of tickets for that one. So <clears throat> even if you're someone. And then, oh, and Telford on the 23rd of June. I'm finishing there. Yeah, it sounds so glamorous. It can sound so glamorous touring. But a tour always ends up in somewhere that isn't traditionally glamorous. I think Telford is glamorous. I shall uh, finish the tour. And then I shall go out like, um, you know, like James Kahn in Misery, who says that whenever he finished a book, he would have a cigar and a brandy. I'll have my cigar and my brandy, and I'll go and watch the traffic going onto the slip road of the M54. So, oh, Lancaster, 17th of June. Yeah, so that one was only put in late, so there's, there's still tickets left for that one. Lancaster. Now, that is glamorous. There was a war fought uh, over Lancaster. Now, people have been getting in touch with us uh, on our account, as well as on, on Twitter, also on the Patreon account, wanting to know what the fuck is going on. And after all, given that the title of the podcast is What the Fuck is Going On, it's not unreasonable to think that we might offer some in Ipswich. Ben asks, Trump is found guilty of grabbing a pussy in a department store and his poll ratings go up. What crimes could Sunak do to improve his ratings? Yeah. I mean, Trump couldn't be very much, there couldn't have been very much doubt about it, given that he's on tape saying that he loved to, oh, I can't even say, so utterly foul. God, what have we become as a human race? I bet. Even back in 1432, when people became heads of state by carrying swords, I bet if bloody King something, fucking King Thistleweight of Wessex in the 7th century, if he was overheard saying he would grab a wench by the pussy, even back then there would have been people going, oh, we can't have it, bloody Ed of Wessex being a bloke who said that. No, we no, 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 no. That's just we're just making ourselves a laughing stock towards the Merolingians and the Visigoths. Um but somehow we've got to a point in the 21st century where that seems to be all right, and you're quite right, Ipswich Ben, and then his poll rankings go up. But Sunak may well look at that, and if he carries on being a long way behind, then this time next year we can expect him to think right, think outside the box. Uh, this morning, I was arrested for stealing a, a Toblerone from Lidl. It's possible. Steve Battlemuch, a uh, good friend of the podcast and a very good friend of, of Nottingham, says, uh, is it true that Mark's like Nottingham so much he's arranged to play in goal for Palace versus Forest on the last day to help us stay up? Um yeah, so for people who don't follow football, Nottingham Forest are in a little bit of a pickle. Uh, they've uh, certainly got a very strong union, their football team, uh, because they have um, that you know, overmanning is usually a thing that was said in the 70s and 80s to try and sack people, but none of that at Nottingham Forest. They've got seven or 800 players in their squad. And they'll be all right. You'll be all right, Steve. Nottingham Forest. I think Leicester and Leeds will, will help you out. 
uh, without me playing in goal. I think if I did play in goal and the other team scored less than 130 goals, <laughs> that would be very, very shameful on the part of their forward line. Um, uh, but yeah, good luck. Good luck to them. Not that I, you know, people say that, don't they, about other clubs, but you don't really mean it. Uh, but I'll say it, even though I don't mean it. Good luck to Forrest and good luck to, and, but very good luck to Nottingham. And Nottingham was lovely when I was up there the other day. And for people who don't know, this is something you've got to know about Nottingham. If you meet someone in Nottingham, you have to stand behind the left lion. The left lion is the one uh, by the council house, which is the name for the town hall. Once you've got that, you're well on the way to speaking Nottingham. That's the equivalent of the of having learnt the the imperfect tense in Spanish. So uh, the the left lion outside the council house, which is the town hall, that's where you meet. Don't meet at the right lion. That you will just be put in jail. That's a little Nottingham thing. And also, if you want to learn the Nottingham accent, which I did learn, but I've forgotten it, then there's a bloke on YouTube who's about 20 who tries to teach the Nottingham accent, and he starts by holding up a bread roll, and he goes, <laughs> this is the exact words. First thing is when you see that, that's uh, that's cob, that is, not bap. If you ask for bap, you get tits, mate. <laughs> How can you not love a city like that? What the fuck is going on? Now, no one will ever work out what the fuck is going on without the without the immense help and assistance of uh, people in their 27th year, the key year for genius. I'm sure Einstein was 27 or something like that when he came up with the theory of relativity. Uh, and with me is Elliot Steele. I'm sure he's working on something just as important. Uh, yes. I, if I had Einstein's level, I would have helped with the nuclear bomb. You would have what? I would have joined in with Oppenheimer and helped made the nuclear bomb. Why not? He didn't join in with the nuclear bomb. He I know, had, I, know he, I know, I know. That's why I said if I was Einstein, I would have. Oh. That's oh, okay. Because that, that film's coming out about Oppenheimer, isn't it? Uh, yeah, there's a few films about it. <laughs> Who's playing him? Jennifer uh, Lawrence. Killian Murphy. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that real? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, I don't know um, when you're joking a, or not. You uh, well, no, could be making Generally, generally it is. It's a, have, have you not seen it? It's a Christopher Nolan film. All oh, right. It's got like right. Matt Damon in it. Loads of people. It's great. Oh, okay. So for people who don't know, Oppenheimer's the man who was sort of the head of all the scientists that were brought together in the Second World War to try and work out how to make a nuclear bomb. He uh, was doing it for peace, didn't he? Yeah, and the, the, in a race, of course, with the Germans, which you know, obviously America was going to win. Uh, do, do you think that like dropping a bomb on Japan was necessary at all? No, not for humanity. No, I think it was necessary for the. It was the it was the opening shots of the Cold War, wasn't it? It was like right. The we're second, going to- well, the second the second bomb they dropped was the second one was like all right, Jesus Christ. The first one was like there you Japan, go, Russia. This sort- is what you're fucking dealing with if you think you're going to yeah, be bloody. Yeah, Running a big chunk of the world, yeah. and all, and therefore all the all the rest of it is um, it, it was secondary to that. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they, the, the Japanese were not going to surrender. Like America were like the war is not going to end. Just be even like just because we've well, taken that's back a few the hours. story, isn't it? That oh, because that's sort of like oh, you know what they're like. The Japanese, 
They just won't surrender. That's what they're like. Well, they weren't. They weren't and, going and to. Like, the Japanese were worse than well, the Nazis. But defeated armies do surrender. They really do. They. All, I mean, Saddam Hussein said, we are never going to surrender. All hail the mighty wisdom of the noble, bloody blah, blah, blah. But then once a load of tanks are in your house and your palace, but how and are they you're hiding the in a in hole. And, but hmm? how are they going to do that? Because it's the same thing, the same reason Britain was hard to invade, the same reason Japan's much larger than Britain, is how are you going to get those tanks and all of that over there? How are you going to do all of that because it was a, a, getting bombed? Because it was a world war and all sorts of countries got invaded that, that were <laughs> but, from but the sea. The, the island, the island, but they, but they were finding it hard to fight for the islands, like Guam and things they like that. They weren't done yet. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. so how, how are they going to take the fight for the Japanese? It was well, at the time that was probably the most logical thing to drop the nuclear weapon because you just want the, there's you don't know when the war's going to end you don't know what's going to happen you're like right but we, that's, well, we, but, the but that's like, all that's a myth that that's the reason it was dropped it was it was dropped because it, the, in at that point in 1945 there was there was the beginnings of a cult. they could see you know like look at so much of what happened in Europe was Stalin's troops moving through Europe in a certain way and. Wherever the Soviet Union army conquered, that became part of the post-war settlement. We run this now. And Roosevelt was well aware of that, that anything that was run by the, the Soviet Union, that was going to be part of their sphere of influence, as they called it. And so, uh, right, we, we're, now in a, we're now in a completely new situation now. The Germans and the Japanese, they're done for. The Germans had been completely done for by them. And and that's what that was for. And so the nuclear bomb was dropped for that reason, for American yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of the Japanese, military the reasons. Japan, and there's there's a theory uh, basically there's like this really cool theory on like the Nazis basically just got lucky in the first two years of the war. So they just like the way they invaded, just like the 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 British and the French didn't think their whole thing was like the Nazis aren't going to invade us through the Rhineland. That would be stupid. They can't do that. And the Nazis had like their ta- their Panzer tank divisions were great, but what they were also great at was keeping soldiers awake on crystal meth. So they broke through the French force that really? like was showed like yeah. So they were all like the, so like the Nazis would just Where'd like you read the, this. The, the, no, the, so it's not it's not made up. The soldiers were just fucking tweaking out on meth. They were just giving. Cri- they were just. The, have you ever seen the video of Hitler just tweaking out on meth? So you know, uh, you know when uh, Mussolini, Mussolini was going to pull out of a. Uh, was it Miss? Yeah, Mussolini was going to like pull out of the war. He's going. This is just getting fucking insane. And he had, that Hitler went to meet him, and Hitler was just knackered. And so his doctors gave him liquid cocaine, and apparently Hitler just ranted at Mussolini for an hour. Where Mussolini went, fucking all right, all right, all right. Like, would it, like so they they would just have these like cracked out panzer divisions just going through france you know what? Like, I, I, during lockdown i watched about 15 episodes of the world at war narrated by laurence olivier and they it's were amazing. and it's an amazing uh and it's they interview various people and generals who were you know loads of uh, axis power generals from uh germany italy and japan uh soviet british incredibly sort of well marvelous series 
I don't remember any of it where they said that Hitler convinced Mussolini to take part in the war because <laughs> he, he was off his tits he, on but, crystal meth. But look, because, <laughs> but like, I, I know what you're saying, and you're going, this is mental, but they, the Nazi party, like, one of the things they did, one of the things they gave their soldiers to keep their soldiers just going and going was like what is now known as crystal meth. It's it. They were just fucked on amphetamines the whole time. They were just. Uh, so they, they have this they would huge them- amphetamine factory, like sort of water yes. white times a hundred. Yes, they just gave them. It was state. They would be in their party and they would give them amphetamine because it was seen as this is great. You can just keep going. Was you that all his problem? Going. You think when he was when he wasn't on meth? He's, he's, I don't know seen, why I get so angry. Have you seen the video, videos of Hitler at the thirty-two uh, Olympics? He's t- t- he's fucked off his face and meth. He's just tweaking out. Like, he's, <laughs> I think just... Hitler, do you know what? I'm going to go with the traditional view that Hitler was tweaked off his face at the best of times. I think I'm if not... Hitler had a cup of Tizer, he would still have gone out and gone, Dein Volk, ein Reich. I don't think... I'm uh... not saying that's why... He, I'm not saying he smoked crystal meth and then went, hey, do you know, like, let's round up the juice. I'm not saying that's what happened. <laughs> I'm saying he had that, he had that already, and then was able to <laughs> sort of like, you know, like, you know, that sort of like thing where people do coke and they sit around at 6am and are like, we should start a band. <laughs> he had, he had that, like, let's kill the Jews, but then took meth and then was able to like go through with it a little bit. He, he, because he, he was, he was, fucked. that's what they were, the Nazis were fucked off their face on meth. That's not, that's not, that, that's true. That's like a fact. There will be well, people who listen to this who will tweet. A, a large majority of them, you think about it, you're fighting in a war, your soldiers, that you've got surprised you've got this, and then there's this thing that goes, oh my God, this makes you not sleep for three days and can keep going. That's a massive advantage. And right. that's one of the reasons early on they were so, they were able to break through front. It's because they would just go for fucking days in a tank. Well, I'm sure you know drugs take their take their place in any invading army, but I, I think it's a mob. right now just to <laughs> uh, Nazis meth. How methamphetamine came? Uh, this is from Time Magazine. How methamphetamine right. came a peak, key part of Nazi military of Nazi right. military strategy. It's it's a, it's a it's a genuine thing. It's not it's not just some like conspiracy theory stuff. No, I'm not disputing that, that that they would have been you know using drugs and so on to keep them up for an extra few hours so that they could invade Yugoslavia. But whether, for example, Hitler convinced Mussolini to be part of the Axis powers because he and Mussolini would have gone, oh fuck! I'll just do you know what? I just want a quiet life. I'm not having him fucking yelling at well, that well, Italy wanted, Italy Let's wanted just to pull fucking out. invade Ethiopia. We just just get it all done with. But I that, can't. I'm that, not, I, he's it, just been fucking in my ear. Mussolini was trouble for Hitler. The Italian army couldn't like. They were aware they couldn't fight the likes of the Allies. They were they were aware of that. They knew they weren't going to be able. To, uh, they didn't have the the technology like uh, Germany had, or or even like uh, you know Britain or anyone like that. They didn't have the technology, and and Mussolini was like quite aware of that. But he, the Hitler turned up on like like mate, we're gonna fucking do it. 
And he was like, all right, all right, well, all right he's convinced me. <laughs> Thank you very much. I don't think what the fuck is going on, uh, audience, would have been expecting this conversation this week. But now you know what the fuck was going on between 1938 and right up to now, really. It all seems so obvious when you think about it. <laughs> Thank you very much, Elliot Steele. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, cancel everything else that you're doing all week, even if it's visiting a family member that you haven't seen for 35 years who has recently been discovered in New Zealand and they've walked here. Don't bother meeting them. Write a review. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod. And we will look at every message that you send. If you would like to become a WTF supporter and get early access to ad free extended versions for as little as two pounds a month, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests, Mark Nelson and Elliot Steele. Voices by Mark Nelson, Sarah Alexander. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. Music was by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell at Carousel Studios. What the fuck is going on? What's brought to you by WTF Productions. <laughs> <laughs>